Bear Essentials podcast gives older bears a place to gather for real talk regarding topics and issues that they can relate to. Here at The Bear Essentials, we aren't just having conversations. We are looking to provide actionable intelligence through real-life experience and expertise of our guests. Our mission is to build a strong community that elevates and motivates people to go beyond their limiting beliefs by helping them realize that getting older is not an excuse to hibernate on their goals, but a reason to work harder. Hey, Jack, how's it going? Thanks for joining me tonight. I really appreciate it. No, of course, Charles. Good to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, Jack, been definitely wanting to catch up with you. Um, obviously, we have a, uh, a mutual friend who who did the show in Toby Ran, and he had some really good stuff to say about you and thought that uh, you would be a great, a great guest and would be able to really help to, you know, get your story out to people to help inspire some other people. So I'm really looking forward to it. Um, would you mind introducing yourself to the audience? Yeah, sure. Um, my name's Jack Peterson. Um, I'm currently in uh, Huntington beach. Um, I'm Australian. I moved over to LA. This will be my 10th year in, uh, well, in California now um i'm an actor i started acting when i was 18 or 17 sorry i um i did a series for disney a couple of television shows uh, in australia came over here got a green card did some more tv some acting um and yeah now america is uh is home so yeah well nice well we're uh we're glad to have you can't get enough uh enough good people over here so uh glad you're uh glad you're joining us over here on this side of the pond so thanks for that um so obviously you say you you've you've done some acting um you mentioned disney uh any what um what shows anything that people may recognize that they would know uh yeah well um i did a disney tv show called as the bell rings that was my first big uh big break I had no idea what i was doing i did three seasons of that when i was 17 18 and 19 um that was popular on the disney channel and then i uh i went on to do a show called neighbors which is big in australia and the uk and then uh a show called winners and losers which i did for five years in australia which uh was really popular a dramedy weekly sort of uh weekly show that uh yeah sort of launched me and gave me the you know I guess I finally decided to become an actor mm. and uh, started pursuing it properly. And then, uh, you know, America was calling. So that then led me to come over here. And the last couple of years have been really fortunate. I've done a bunch of little sort of indie films. Um, work's been good, but I mean, just like any actor out here, um, you know, you end up in restaurants, um, bartending, serving, Uber driving. It took all of that. I've just been really fortunate. The last couple of years have been, uh, has been acting work. So, yeah. Well, that's, that's really good to hear. So Jack mm. was acting, was acting something you always want to do like from a young age or was, you know, how, how's that happen? Um, no, I, I didn't think 
I didn't even think it was, I don't think I was aware that it was even a thing you could do. I was aware that there was acting, but I didn't know it was a job. Um, I actually went to a, I went to a, a public school, pretty rough high school. Um, and uh, I was fortunate enough, my sister, um, well, I'll explain the story. My sister was going to a better school than I was, a private school. Um, I was going to this shittier school. My sister came home with a laptop uh, one day and I was like, well, I want to go to that school. You know, my parents couldn't afford it at the time. Uh, I ended up getting a scholarship going there and uh, I saw this, uh, like the first school assembly. I saw a, uh, a guy, Nate Swain, he was going to be singing a song from the Little Shop of Horrors, which was the high school musical. Uh, all I was thinking, uh, and I've told this story a few times, but all I was thinking at the time, because of the school that I'd come from, I was going to bash this guy, like get some credit. Like I really, my mindset was like, you know, I'm going to get get some points with the other boys, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, this guy's a loser. He's singing and dancing instead. Didn't. I don't know, that was my mindset. Um, and so I, I sat there listening and watching Nate sing and all the guys in my, you know, in our line of chairs, like stood up at the end. It was all super encouraging and really sort of just this amazing total black and white of what I was thinking. Um, and then I think right then in that moment, I was like, oh, I want to be like that guy mm. and ended up doing the high school musical Um I got picked from an agent in the audience, ended up going to an acting school. And my very first audition was Disney. Um, and I got it. Mm. So then I was, yeah, I was, I left school for a couple of months and filmed a Disney TV show, fell in love with it. Um, I thought this was the best job ever, you know, getting paid to play pretend. And, you know, I got a taste for it. And then I think after after high school, after the show finished, I was just working. I had real, no real aspirations to do any university or any more schooling. Mm-hmm. Um, ended up sort of, yeah, I ended up having a chat with a mate a couple of years down there. Like I had little acting jobs here and there, but ended up having a chat with my mate who was in a similar position to me and was kind of like, hey, look, if we're really serious about this acting thing, why don't we do school why don't we go to school for acting mm. and um yeah i ended up uh studying at a musical theater school um i almost made it through the entire first year but that's when i uh, i got the next big tv show which was winners and losers so yeah and then then it was serious for me then it was a career and that was eight months of the year for the next four years um it was a really great job um and then yeah, tried. I've sort of been in love with it ever since. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's. It's amazing that you know you you go in with a preconceived notion, right? And then boom, all of a sudden <laughs> you're like, man, that's that's what I want to do. That's that's pretty awesome. And Jack, I think yeah. I, I saw somewhere that I you also play piano. Am I right? Yes, yes, yeah. Piano is more of a. I'm no Toby Rand by any no musician at all, really. Um, piano has always been. Uh, I've always been very lucky. We've always had a piano in the house in my family home. Yeah, it's. I. It turned out to be sort of me falling in love over the years. I always thought the most romantic thing you could ever do was 
write a love song and sing a love song. Um, it turns out uh, singing and playing piano is really fucking hard. but I did teach myself over the years and it's turned out to be these days for me, very therapeutic. Um, Definitely a way of letting my, you know, muddledness come out and in lyrics and, you know, again, no real musician or anything like that, but I really enjoy the whole process of sort of writing a song and yeah, piano is really great for that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, Jack, the other thing I wanted to ask you, so I've always, you know, always heard and you're, you're acting and you mentioned at the beginning, you know, you come to Los Angeles, you're, you're, you know, a lot of people go there, they want to be actors, they're doing a lot of other things other than acting. I mean, has it ever gotten to a point for you where you've, you know, said, hey, maybe this isn't for me, maybe I should do something else or have your has your success always pretty much had you like hyper focused on on staying in acting um it's a good question i think yeah i mean i have i have that question i, I think i asked myself that today you know um i you know without diving into it too quickly i'm diagnosed manic bipolar type 1 and I've only recently and very recently sort of discovered that, but it's explained a lot of uh, the difficulties I've had and the ups and downs and the industry that I'm in acting, you know, it does, it goes from super highs and successes of, yes, we've got the role six weeks of work or two weeks of work or two days of work on a big show or a TV show. Then all of a sudden there's all this fear all the time of the next getting the next thing. And also the travel you know, last year, I think I was in, you know, I filmed in Montana, I filmed in Florida, I filmed in Colorado, I filmed in Australia, I filmed in Mexico for little bits of time. And that travel interrupts every other aspect of any normality in your life of, as far as sort of having a steady income, as far as having a steady place to live. Um, yeah. That question of whether or not this is for me is like, I think over the years I've really, I've struggled with it because I've struggled with um, organizing a routine, you know, Um, you always want to, funnily enough, and this might be really lucky for me. I've, I've been fortunate where I have, you know, I've decided to focus on right now, for instance, this year, I've just got a new house down in, um, in Newport beach I have a new great job at a restaurant that's really great paying. It's when I'm working five days a week, managing, serving, bartending, doing the whole thing. And, you know, the big audition comes through for a TV show that shoots in Australia for six months that starts in three weeks. And there is part of me that really wants to, okay, I've really just got my feet on the ground again here. I would love to just sort of, let's just put the head down and get back on top of things. Um, but there's with acting, it's always like that. So is it really, uh, I don't know. It's kind of, for me, it's been like every time I've tried to maybe step away from it, it's pulled me back in somehow. And I know that sounds wankerish or whatever, but it's, it's really sort of how it's felt for me. It's sort of always been calling, you know? Um, So similar to piano being a therapeutic release, acting has also 
in a weird way, always been sort of on the shoulder, sort of like, hey, come have a look at this, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Okay. No, I mean, I it makes sense. I mean, I, I, I think it's to me it's yeah, it a like long-winded it, way to answer that question i'm sorry I sort of... no 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 worries man <clears throat> honestly i think when i hear you say that right even listening to you explain it i mean it to me at least it's always it's always going to be there for you right like i don't think mm. it's ever going to not be calling you at least the way mm. you talk about it that's what it seems um mm. and you mentioned something interesting there and i know we're going to get into that a little bit but you talked about um you know, being diagnosed manic bipolar. I, I think mm-hmm. that's what you stated, right? Um, yep. You said it explains a lot. Mm-hmm. Being diagnosed, does that almost become a relief for you, Jack? That it was there parts of your life now that you kind of make can make sense of because of your diagnosis? Uh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as far as a relief, though, um no i wouldn't say it was a relief i think um my dad had um you know similar or the same um diagnosis uh that he you know that i didn't i didn't find out as as kids we didn't find out until very later in life which then at that time explained a lot of his behavior and the ups and downs and also you know, mood swings, but even, you know, I think as a, as a kid, I didn't really still, even in my teenage, like teenage years, I didn't really understand it either. Um, my dad, you know, uh, just over a year ago, ended up killing himself. He hung himself, um, at work and very successful genius of a human being. Um, his suicide, really uh made me worry about my behavior besides it obviously you know losing my hero um it made me really worry about certain similarities that i had to him that i knew of and i really tried to run away from it quite a lot um you know which in hindsight was not the right thing to do (laughs) um you know, I think he he battled with uh, a lot of demons and, you know, the mania and stuff like that can be such a gift and such a superpower. But also then those lows and, you know, spiraling can really, you know, get you to a point uh, amongst other things to where you, you know, you get to that dark spot where you really, you, you, you know, you end it. Um, and you can't see anything else. I, being diagnosed, I got diagnosed um, late last year um, after I attempted suicide and went into a mental uh, housing facility um, where I was monitored and started medications, had to, you know, do all of that and uh, incredibly weird interesting time but I, I really needed help uh I was running away from it and getting the diagnosis I think back to your question I'm sorry I'm deviating a little bit but it's it wasn't a relief at all I think I was shit scared mm-hmm. and it probably didn't it was it, it was really shit scary because of a I attempted to also hang myself 
Um, so I'd got to that same point, which, you know, I have a lot of, I have a lot of guilt and shame um, about all of it. But yeah, it, it, I think now, and again, one of the reasons I'm probably choosing to talk to you about it is that I, I did need help. I got help. I'm feeling a lot better. I still struggle every day with certain things. I'm adjusting. Um, medication helps. That was something that I was really worried about. You know, I talk about piano being therapeutic. I thought that I would have these pills and all of a sudden I wouldn't be able to write music anymore or mm -hmm. I wouldn't be able to tell jokes or be funny anymore and stuff like that, um, which is not the case. Um yeah, relief. It's a weird thing. I think it's a really scary thing. Manic bipolar sounds awful. <laughs> when I say it out loud, it sounds terrible. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's not a nice, it doesn't have a nice ring to it. It's like, oh, and, you know, I learned a lot. I do a lot of research on it, um, identifying my highs and lows now. And again, I, I'm not my diagnosis and I look at it very much as a superpower if I can control it you mm. know yeah no well let me first state that i mean i think it's i gave you a lot then i'm sorry <laughs> no 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 man i think it's incredibly brave that you're doing this and i i'm glad that people like you are willing to come out and speak about it because mm. i think there's so many people that we just don't even know because they don't speak about it um I'm going to mention somebody here now to you that I want when we're done. I want you to look him up. Uh, General Greg F. Martin. He did my show last mm -hmm. year. He's known as the bipolar general. And he yeah. legitimately spoke on this show about it being a superpower until it wasn't. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, well, yeah. there you go. See, I haven't. Yeah. That's, yeah. So it is, I, it's, it's, yeah. I definitely want you to check that out. Um, I just, yeah. And when I had said to you about it being a relief, I mean, I wasn't, I, I didn't want to sound insensitive, but I was more. Oh no, you weren't at all. Yeah. No, it's, I think yeah, what no. I was more, what I was more getting at was like, just relief from the perspective of at least now I know what the hell's going on and now I can try to figure it out. Right. Um, mm. I mean, and I'm very sorry about your father. I mean, that, that, you know, I know we talked briefly, you know, mm. prior to this and you said the story was, was heavy. So I was expecting, you know, it, it to be a bit on the heavy, darker side. And I, and I think that's okay because I think honestly, for people to watch this, I think it's weird, but in order to get light, they need the darkness first. And I think, you yeah. know, people like you can show that um, for your father, I mean, I, I want to ask you growing up, things like that. I mean, any signs that you guys were you surprised? Were you ever, did you ever think anything was wrong? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, my, my dad was um, my hero. I mean, um, he was incredibly, incredibly gifted human being who had the ability to sort of. You know, it's, it sounds so cliche and everything, but his ability to—he—he he ran, ran restaurants, hotels, 
you know, was Stevie Wonder's tour manager, was, you know, was did all of these incredible things and, and never really stopped. And I think when he did stop, it was really, he then battled with the uncomfortability of just like, of being still and something that I really disliked about how my dad treated life was that it was always hard work, hard work, and he never really knew how to switch off and enjoy life. Switch off might not be the right term, but he just couldn't, like he couldn't wind down. And I get that. I have definitely elements, but I think because of how he went about life, I kind of pushed against that and almost probably too much and enjoyed life and partied and still party and have a great time and take it, try and take it all in, even though it's in a mania as well. Um, there's definitely signs. He mum mum dealt with it a lot before we had to, but you know there was there was there was elements growing up where you know very out of nowhere anger, mm. um, out of nowhere sort of, and you know the thing about being incredibly smart and gifted and you know almost like a debate artist. If you're angry at someone, it's, you know, it would be, you'd say things, and I'm I'm guilty of it as well. You, you say things in an argument to win the argument. You'd, you could bring up something from four years ago to hurt that person just mm-hmm. immediately and just to shut and like that. You were just stunned and speechless and you'd lost. Mm-hmm. And there were just powers like that where when he would be, you know, negative, but don't get me wrong, my dad was incredible. Was never was just the most incredibly hardworking, um, just a genius. Ended up sort of creating an empire out of the back of a Ute, which you know f- made our family a massive property and estate. And you know we have horses and motorbikes and everything and boats that we have. Everything we ever wanted was because of his hard work and because he couldn't turn off. The only problem was that even though he built the biggest massive infinity pool that looks over the valley of this gorgeous estate that he's built, he'd never had any time to sit by it and enjoy it, you know. Um, there were signs, I don't think, I think COVID, I think him sitting in his empty big factory by himself, I don't know, I have a lot of questions about that last day, Um you know, there's just, there is, there's always, there will always be questions. Um, what was interesting and really upsetting to me, I guess, and I, again, there's a lot of shame in it, but I, I, when I got to that point as well, you know, and I, it's different, but when I got to that point, I couldn't see anything else. You know, I couldn't, my brain hadn't turned off for three or four days. I hadn't eaten. I was drinking to try and get to sleep, you know, drinking, drinking to try and get to sleep and then not sleeping. And I couldn't, something had really snapped inside of me when I attempted. And, you know, what's really interesting about my story and something that I'm trying to figure out is, you know, I hung myself from a tree in the backyard and the snatch him strap and I tried to, and I reckon the branch definitely... I know I could t- the branch would have hold- held me like it should have but it broke mm. you know and I'm, I'm I've never been religious in fact 
like my, you know, part of how my dad raised us was kind of like, you know, you do everything yourself. If you, you can't rely on anyone else, not anyone upstairs, not anyone. But I am, uh, after, you know, what happened and me getting what's called a second chance, I don't know, I'm, I am, uh, I am thinking that, you know, there, there is a reason for that. There is maybe divine intervention, whatever it is. It's something that I'm really trying to figure out in my new, my new life, in my, on my other side of that, mm. you know. So, so when you, leading up to that, mm-hmm. were you, was it, did you know you were going to attempt to do it or did it kind of just quickly escalate to that point and it was more like that's it i'm doing this um you know it, it was weird I, the the two weeks leading up to it were actually two of my favorite weeks i'd moved to um Colorado recently with my ex-fiance um, she bought a house out there with the help of her parents um, we'd been having a rough year since dad had passed I'd not been myself so we'd really been struggling in the relationship that you know and a lot of that was definitely me um, I can you know it's it was it's two-way street but uh, yeah we'd been really struggling and I'd I think she'd struggled with communicating just how bad things maybe were with how hard I was to deal with. And again, this is pre me being on medication, me self-medicating a lot, especially when I'd hit a low. Now that I look back on it, I can identify that me hitting a low, the thing I would do when I was spiraling would be to go chase something to try and get out of it. So that would be partying or or drinking um, drugs, you know, trying to get height and then, mm-hmm. Um, then would crash and sleep. And I haven't really, I hadn't really slept much in the last sort of four or five years, which is a big sort of bipolar thing, I guess, that I'm learning about. You know, it's not normal to just have two to three hours sleep a night for weeks mm-hmm. on end. <laughs> so right. imagine what I can do. Imagine what I can do now on six hours. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, look out, yeah. right, man? You, yeah, look out yeah. now. Um, exactly. But yeah, no, the, the weeks leading up were actually really, we'd, we'd sort of, I was working, she was working, we were in Colorado, it was a beautiful time every year out there. Um, and yeah, and things were really great. And I felt like both of us agreed on that. And we'd been talking about it, trying to sort of, um, you know, start this new part of life. It felt like the right part of life, the right age for me to be where we were at. And this is look at the house, the dogs. Um, and then, you know, then, yeah, the bombshell came out that she'd sort of been sleeping with someone else. Mm. And I actually took it really well when I first found out because, I, you know, due to the therapy that I've been doing and everything, I was, you know, don't react, don't, let's just, you know, I went to work that night, I came back and from then on, I like something had, I got hurt too much. There was a whole bunch of previous factors. I was away from my family. My brother and sister weren't um, really communicating with me. The relationship had really been severed a bit because after dad, I had to leave to go back to America, to my life. And 
they were dealing with mom and having to take care of everything to do with post dad and where what he'd left us in a shitstorm and they sort of had no one to just you know to not hate but you know more to hate and so I was the one who left so I caught that there's a lot of different factors I'd also just moved to a small town in Colorado I was in Fort Collins I'd left all my friends chasing my fiance and this relationship and then to have that last little thing um it didn't happen I didn't think about it I I went to a hotel room for space walked around a hotel room for three days didn't eat drank tried to go to sleep could not go to sleep I knew I needed to go to sleep but you know the thing about going to sleep the more you need to you know the more you try to go to sleep you never go to sleep and yeah then I, I eventually sort of went back to the house and asked to have the house to myself and then I was sitting in the backyard and I just looked at the branch and looked at the fence and walked to the shed and grabbed a rope and that was kind of the I, I couldn't see a way out I couldn't I couldn't see anything beyond beyond that that next five ten minutes mm-hmm. beyond the time that it was going to take me to walk to the shed to the tree I could not see further than that I saw it would be easier I don't even know like honestly that might be even a bit of an exaggeration the whole it might be easier without me stuff like that I think I just I I was feeling I felt well it's been good mm-hmm. and there's nothing more now what else is there I've had a fantastic life I know that but it wasn't even the thoughts that were going through my head I wasn't thinking about anyone else which is the scary and shitty part about it because the message that definitely coming on here like on here and speaking to you and hearing your story I mean the reason that I'm alive is because of the friendships that I have and a mate came and flew to Colorado my mate Dennis he flew to Colorado and if he had arrived an hour later I'd be dead mm. You know, he came, rescued me, put me on a plane somehow and then put me in, you know, in a, a mental facility here in um, in Santa Ana, California. Um, but yeah, as far as leading up to it, no. And, you know, there, there's a lot of factors, I think. I should have been on medication a long time ago. I should have been asking for more help. I should have... I was struggling with a lot of things. And... That's the thing, you know, we talk about this bipolar being a superpower, which it, 100%, it absolutely is, until it's not. It yeah. is until it isn't, you know. And imagine, like, how I felt, you know, my dad hung himself and less than a year after, I was doing the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Like, that's fucked up. It's fucked up. And... You know, I'm not, I'm, you know, I have, again, like I'm on the other side of it now, but it's like even saying it out loud is, fucking, how did shit get so turned around? How did I end up, you know, I know what suicide does to families. I know what it does to, has done to my family. I know how, what it's done to my friends, people who know my dad, who know me, who are affected by it. It is a massive ripple effect that is, really hard to overcome and to deal with and to understand and to provide help for someone who's going through it or anything like that 
but there is help there and there is help and there is people and friends that you know you need to you need to lean on and but i mean what a bizarre turn of of events that you know yeah. yeah but but honestly man i think i think what you just say in there right like and I think when you watch this, once I air it, you're going to see it too. Like you're going to see the emotion in your face and it's going to honestly, man, I think you say about being on the other side of it, you can tell because just that emotion that you're is coming out of you when you said that about, you know, here you are a year later doing the same thing, you know, like I just, I mean, look, I, you mentioned how it impacts families, things like that. I mean, it just, mm there's so many people out there that just they don't think about it. Right. And that's why mm. like, you say about the only reason you're here is because that branch broke. Right. Uh, Jack, I, you know, I'll say this to you. We don't know how many people will watch this or hear this or say it. I'm pretty sure though. It's going to, it's going to connect with one person. And yeah, that may be I the reason. So. That may that branch may have broke because that's why, right? You needed that. I mean, and Jack, I want I wanted to ask you because this, I mean, so many people that contemplate suicide. I I don't think they're I think because of what you described, that's why. Because people that people think about how could somebody do that, right? You mm-hmm. you laid it all out. You weren't thinking about anybody leading up to no. it, right? And I don't think anybody is. So as you're going through with it though, like, and you're here now, I mean, I want to, as you go to do this and you, what are you thinking at that point? I did think about who would find me and I thought it might be, um, my ex-fiance. Um, turns out it would have been my friend who flew out. Um, it's a it's a really bizarre you know i think because you know obviously something chemically is is very different for me way that i even how i got there um there's a lot of the ups and downs that even happened within that day of like getting back to the house my whole life changing and being you know unhoused and now what am I supposed to do? There's no other options. There was, and you know, again, I think all of that, you know, I'm sure people that find themselves in a similar position, it is, it is, I guess, what you'd call rock bottom, right? And then it's the, it's the rock bottom, but like even up is rocks. So you're trying to, there's no, you've, there's no get out anymore. This is like, well, this is where it got to and this is it. Um, I think something that I'm learning a lot about, um, is, and, you know, I speak in therapy about it quite a bit is like suicide, uh, suicide ideation, which because of my relationship with suicide, because of dad, you know, there is a lot of, um, you hear and see suicide a lot more and you, you think about it more because it's, it's part of, you know, my life now. Um, and whether that be sort of, you know, the amount of times at a party, I always think this is really interesting now, the amount of people even, you know, I've heard it twice today and I can bring up the exact times it was said, but it's like, oh my God, if that happened, I'd kill myself. Mm-hmm. 
and people say it all the time, you know, and it's it, it, the amount of time in TV shows it's referenced and everything like that. It's almost like I've got a, a hearing sort of buzzer that goes off. You can just hear it. And it's thrown around like flippantly. And because of that ideation and like my relationship to it, it's sort of, you. Co- it's constantly in the air and it's not the feeling of like, Oh God, driving down the freeway, God, you can kill yourself pretty easy by doing that and going into, I guess it's a whole mixture of things, but it's, uh, it is a, it is something that I think because it's in the, in front of me so much at that point in time, it was an option that was sort of like a get out card, mm. you know? And so, you know, you ask about the lead up and the two weeks and, and whatever, there, were, there wasn't much, but it, I guess it's always been an option there because suicide is real and it does exist and you can do it mm-hmm. because you can. And, it's an awful, terrible thing, and I really, you know, I would just urge anyone that is struggling with those those thoughts and that black dog that's hanging around, and that you know there is just help, and you have friends, and you have. It's so much better on the other side, you know. Like how lucky I am to have a chance to go again and to to, to learn to redo life and to have a relationship with my brother. And to, to you know, to to maybe if, if we do get across to someone, that it's just you can get it gets so much better, you know, it gets so much better, and it's yeah, I, I just think those I, I don't know, it's very it's really hard for me to explain and or to answer your question properly that those final sort of you know, yeah, it's a weird, it's almost it's a it's a, it's a bit blurry. And maybe deliberately or subconsciously, I'm suppressing, you know. <laughs> no, I think, Yeah. listen, I think everything you're saying is like, is going to be so important for people to hear. And, mm. you know, so obviously we talked about the darkness and the heaviness and you just said it about coming out the other side. So, you know, when I spoke to you a week or two ago, I mean, mm-hmm. look, I'll say this right now to everybody listening. You would have never told me that Jack even had these thoughts. So upbeat, never, ever. And I think that's what I'm trying to, I want to get across to people that like, Mm. it's, it's, you just, you never know. Like, you don't know what people are going through. And if, if I wasn't speaking to Jack on the phone and I knew a little bit about his story, I would have never, never dreamed it i i mean jack not even being funny i i would have thought um toby asked me to interview you because you had engaged man like you were that it was that upbeat man and it was that like the vibe even after the call it was like and it's a compliment to you man you 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 have an energy about you now man however dark it was before your energy Mm -hmm. now man is is extremely positive and you really give up positive energy and it's it's infectious man i know when i spoke to you and even some of the text messages so um i'm gonna put you on the spot a little bit here yeah <laughs> thank you, you. The i appreciate it you mentioned about yeah. lyrics being a release mm-hmm. and 
you know, I do write some, not lyrics, but I write some stuff myself. But um, what can you tell like anything that you've written that you that you think would potentially somebody else hearing it, it may make a difference for them at this point if they're having issues? Yeah, there's a um there's a song I wrote um on piano when I when I got back to Australia uh last year after all of this and after I got out of the the mental the joint I call it the mental facility. Uh yeah, um I'm trying to think. The the chorus is something along the lines of like all I know is I don't know anything anymore. All I know is I don't know anything anymore. And the the verses are all sort of a little bit of a story, but it, it does talk about being lost. I'm lost and I'm broken. Like somebody said once, this feeling of nothingness turns into something. I should be better and clever and go out and get it, achieve all these goals that I haven't even set yet. But all I know is I don't know anything anymore. It's that very bipolar but i'm lost and i'm broken like somebody said once this feeling of nothingness turns into something man poignant man that that yeah. definitely hits man i got the hair on my head <laughs> up man um you know yeah. and hey man you you got you got a good singing voice too man like <laughs> no, to, man, no. trying to act like totally you good. can't sing man like you've that, had Toby Rand on here. You've had Toby Rand on here. Go on. Yeah, you know what he <laughs> owes. Yo, know, he when next time you speak to him, um, he owes me actually. Because <laughs> yeah, okay, we did uh we did the show, man. He didn't sing for the show. I, I told. Oh, he, see, what are you doing? You've managed he, to get me to do it. Yeah, he owes me. He owes me at least a song or two on the on the, <laughs> on an episode, man. But um, <laughs> but so Jack, yeah. now, I mean, obviously you have your life mm -hmm. and coming on the show i think we talked about it. i mean i think you were hoping to to get through to somebody or to help other people i mean is and you mentioned about how you know it gets thrown around about killing yourself people say i i, I want to kill myself things like that i mean mm -hmm. are you now are you kind of now in a spot where you're really looking to say you know what i I need to be, or I want to be the difference in somebody else's life to maybe it doesn't get to that point for them. I mean, I think, I think we all do. I think even you, your journey and listening to you, you know, I've watched your keynote now twice and I think we all do. Um, I would be lying though, if I'm not still honest about the battles that I'm constantly going through um i'm figuring out what this manic bipolar is how i'm dealing with that but what i do know all i know is that things got to the darkest place that i think you can get to um and i went there and on the other side there is such life and such you know there's there is happiness there's joy there is the ups and downs that are always going to be there but those struggles i think empower us and like they're put there so that you can get through and keep going and like 
anything else in this life, like any hurdle or any of the, one of the, one of the best things I learned in, um, in this mental housing place, it was actually day one of me being there was get comfortable being uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. get comfortable being uncomfortable, get comfortable being uncomfortable. You know, I'd go to bed saying it. And when you, when you start to do that, even when the line at Starbucks is too long, the bloody, you, the traffic is shit, all of that, that uh, getting comfortable with that uncomfortability is the difference. And it, for me has made such an improvement in my life because it, it, it can be worse, but you can also just change your perspective a little bit and enjoy life on the other side of that darkness. And like you said, there is that light, you need that struggle so you can appreciate the light. And when you start seeing it, and trust me, it's just starting to come through for me. And I'm really, I feel really lucky. I'm still figuring out a bunch of shit. I'm figuring out my life still, my new life, my second chance. If someone listens to this and someone is struggling, my main thing would be that maybe I've conveyed that it it can get better. It does get better. There is help. Be strong. And I don't know. I thought I was the strongest person and ever. I thought my dad was the strongest person ever. And we, you know, still end up with a rope around your neck. So I think that, you know, something that I've really, that really resonates with me is a Robin Williams quote, which is, be kind to everyone because, you know, everyone is facing a battle that you know nothing about. Mm-hmm. And it is true. You know, like you talk about me being upbeat on the phone. That's how I am at a restaurant. That's how I am in real life and everything like that. On the other side of it is all the demons and the black dog that's hanging around all of us. And it, my message, if anything, is just that you talk about it. Do what you were doing, Charles. Do what this. What an opportunity this is to, for blokes especially, to to speak about it. Just to have mm-hmm. a chat. Yep. Just to just to have a chat because it's not fucking easy. It's fucking hard. Yeah, you know? it definitely is, man. And, and you know, as you were saying that, man, I literally just um, I had posted something today and it just reminded me and I, I posted that, you know, um, on the other side, being broken to your soul, it's actually mm. a chance for you to become whole. And on the other side of brokenness, mm. there is hope and there is yeah. joy. And also the biggest thing on the other side of brokenness is that's where life returns. So I think you're a great yeah. example of that, Jack. Honestly, man, I, um, I, and, and look, I'll say this, man. I, when you say it, I laugh because I, I laugh at this part when you say about blokes, man, because I sit here and go, I'm a 51 year old bloke who decided to <laughs> turn his computer on and start talking to people. And I just feel fortunate to have gotten a chance to meet somebody like Toby and in turn, yeah. somebody like you. And I think, Listen, man, I think this is just this conversation and your story and your emotion is going to just shine through, man. And I think it's going to help help a lot of people. And that's all we can all we can try to do, man. Yeah, I mean, it's out there now. Right. I mean, and that's yeah. And I just appreciate I appreciate you, man. I 
I'm sure, and I see <clears throat> that with even your story, what a journey, you know, that should be celebrated and looked to as inspiration. And I'm sure it is for so many, you know, and I'm not trying, it's not trying to be that. It's more just like, fuck, God, if only I could rewind and punch Jack in the face with the information I know on the other side of that, you know, like, but it comes, it comes. We all and, feel that, yeah. way. dude. We do. Yeah. We all feel that way. Man. <laughs> I, um, I think you probably heard in my keynote where I'm like, mm. I, I wake up some days and I'd be like, yeah, time to go do that self-destructive <laughs> shit, again, man. It just, I look, I look at it similar to you know, different but similar. I go, you know what? I don't know why, but here we are. Yeah, right? and it's it's a great thing. Um, Jack, listen, man, I. I I am extremely happy that it's working out for you. Um, I I've learned this throughout my life, man. Like we none of us have a right to judge anybody else, man, because we yes. all, you know. I, I mean, I'll say we're all kind of fucked up in a way, man. We got our good and, earthly, yeah, man. <laughs> we got our good and our bad, and you know what? It's 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 what it is, man. But this is this has been great, Jack. Thanks, man. So I, um, appreciate it, man. Thank you. It's been, yeah, it's been an experience, yeah, we, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, we, we definitely need to um, stay in touch, man. Listen, you, you know, I want to say this to everybody. When I talked to Jack, Jack was very nervous about doing this. <laughs> and the fact, the fact that he showed up and did this is, I, it should be commended. <clears throat> and I want to say that because so many people are suffering in silence and, it's not easy but he came here and he did it and i jack i can't i i appreciate it man so thank you man thank and you, everybody man. Yeah. thanks for listening if you know anybody that can benefit from hearing this or you know you know anybody that you think have symptoms please be sure to try to try to talk yeah. to them, try to get them help so yeah reach out it's really just asking are you okay yep. and then asking are you okay again and then just try and just know that there's people out there, you know, and your mates and your friends, your family, you know, everyone's there for you more than you know. Trust me. Yeah. Jack, thank you again. And thanks everybody for listening to this. Um, I've done a decent amount of episodes now. And to me, this is one of the most important ones. So um, I want to make sure that people hear this. So thanks everyone. Take care. Bye. This has been the Bear Essentials. Thanks for listening. And remember, never hibernate on your goals. <laughs>